Hello and welcome. Today I have with me Lee Bintz and we're going to talk a little bit about the keys to high homeschooling high school success. Lee, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me, Stephanie. Absolutely. Lee is a best-selling author, a conference speaker, and a homeschool consultant who specializes in helping parents homeschool high school with excellence. You can find more out about Lee at homehighschoolhelp.com. Homehighschoolhelp.com. Right. <laughs> Her book, The Home Scholar's Guide to College Admission and Scholarships, is part of our career and college planning kit on sunlight.com. Thank you so much, Lee, for being here. I want to get started. I'm so, I, I we've gotten a lot of questions, a lot of um people are asking about high school and what that looks like when you're homeschooling. So I'm so, I, when I saw that you have a class, the 12 keys to um, high school success, I was like, we need to get you and, and talk about this because I feel like it's great for our audience to really know more about these keys and um, talk through some of the things that can really make high school homeschooling high school successful. So thank you so much for being here. I am so glad to be here. I do notice that most people are afraid to high to do high school, you know. So if I can just kind of get them over that hurdle, then they're usually good to go. So I'm I'm thrilled to be here talking about homeschooling high Absolutely. school. Absolutely. Why don't you start with giving us a little bit of guidance? Let's talk about those keys. Oh, okay. Okay. That's good. Uh, first of all, I totally understand where those parents are and feeling anxious. And uh, I was feeling anxious before I started homeschooling high school. And uh, it, it is possible even for normal people to be successful. And I homeschooled my children all the way through high school and they graduated after using Sunlight curriculum. And then they had one year of dual enrollment after that, before they graduated and they got full tuition scholarships to their first choice university. So I know that it can work and it can work for you. Um, and I think one of the biggest keys is confidence and um, being assured that homeschooling is going to work even for you, even for your children, even with the struggles that you face all day long. And uh, part of that is because homeschooling provides the best learning environment. People ask me all the time, what does homeschooling look like? And it looks like my child sitting on top of a dog reading a book. That's what homeschooling looks like. And, um, and frankly, kids can learn more when they're feeling safe and secure than if they're anxious or uh, will I get sick or who has a gun or what's going to happen. And they just feel more secure at home. But there's also a lot of statistics uh, that have been done by um, the National Home Education Research Center. It's nheri.org. A lot of research on homeschooling and um, and it demonstrates that homeschoolers have above average test scores. Um, not that your child necessarily will, but they'll probably do better than they would have in school. So statistically, we do better. And I also think that it's better career preparation as kids get to try on different things for size. You know, do I really like mushrooming that much? Do I really like rock hounding that much? Or is is football everything I ever want to do in life, you know? And so it gives them that best career preparation. Um, 
So I think that's number number one. The other thing is to remember the scriptural assurances that we have. Um, I, I like to talk about Psalm 139, 13 to 16, which says that your child has been given to you, not somebody else who maybe you think is more capable, but actually you. <laughs> um, and Philippians 4.13 says you can do all things uh, without exception, without saying, except for calculus, you know, this is where we draw the line is calculus. Absolutely. Uh, I know. <laughs> and first Peter 4.8, which says love covers a multitude of sins. And that's really important because you're, you're going to fub up when you homeschool. It, it is going to happen. And it's not the end of the world. When small missteps occur, it's going to be okay. So what I like to do is have people write it down on a piece of paper and just keep it by their computer. This child has been given to me and I am capable. And when I mess up, it's going to be okay. And I think that having that, um, mm, being, being brave like that, being very confident like that, that carries you through almost everything else. Um, in the high school level, though, I think the things that people get most concerned about is how do you prepare for the future when you don't know what the future holds? You don't know if your child's going to college or not, or what college they're going to go to or not, or what careers are going to be available in the future or not. <laughs> yeah. And um, so what I like to explain it this way. Of course, college bound kids need college prep high school because they need it to get into college. And so let's not even worry about them because they're gonna take care of themselves. They know they need college prep. For the non-college bound kids though, they're teenagers who tend to change their mind, right? And teenagers are always changing their mind and they change their mind from, I'm gonna be a quarterback to I'm gonna be a medical doctor and it never even occurs to them that these two might have completely different preparation requirements. So what I like to tell people is that college bound kids need the best possible education so that you have maximum flexibility. So no matter what they, you know, after 58 times of changing their mind, that last time they change their mind senior year, you're gonna be ready no matter what it is. And so you want to be prepared because situations changed because teenagers change their mind. Um, so getting back to kind of all age group things, then you start to think, well, how can you be successful? And um, I found great success, frankly, in the sunlight curriculum uh, instructors guide because I believe strongly in having a morning meeting. And a morning meeting is so much easier when you're using sunlight because it has a little checklist. It's like, okay, tell me about Bible. Did you read that? Yes. Okay, you're doing math. Do you need any help with that? And then you go down the list, just checking each one. Um, and I think that's important because um, we are not just the teacher. We're becoming more and more of a project manager as we get into the high school years. And so our job is not to learn them, right? You can't, you can't force a horse to drink water and you can't force a child to learn, but our job is to facilitate that learning. And part of that means checking in on them. Um, it is not impossible, I'm not naming any names, but for kids to slack off, I'm just saying, it, 
rumor has it. <laughs> and uh, so having a morning meeting can prevent that um, cheating that happens for a day or a week or a year or slacking off. And so what I usually recommend is that you have a short check-in with most subjects, especially the things they don't naturally enjoy or like. My kids always loved the reader louds. They always loved the history. Um, but, you know, there were other things that were a struggle, like art. I know, it's weird. <laughs> and then you review any problem areas and explain assignments. You know, don't forget you have a science lab or something um, unusual. We're going to piano lessons today, that sort of thing. One thing, um, when you get into a subject that is difficult, uh, maybe that's biology or geometry or something. Calculus. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of it is knowing the vocabulary of that subject. And there was some research that shows that if you know the vocabulary, you actually know 80% of the subject. Or put another way, if you know the vocabulary words, you'll get 80% on the test without knowing anything more than that. And so if you can, when you get stuck on a subject, <laughs> if you go over the vocabulary words, that'll make a huge difference. Absolutely. Um, I had a college professor who used to say all the time, this is just a vocabulary test. Yes. And it was yes. finance. And I'm like, that's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. This is just a vocabulary yeah. test. Yeah. yeah. And and I think that's one of the reasons why um, we started off with our foreign language using Latin was because the only thing, the only foreign language I remembered was my Latin and Greek roots. That was the only one I used into adulthood. Great idea. Yeah. Um, so then the next key that I like to teach people is to put their weak areas first. And you put your weak areas first in terms of your time, but also in terms of your money. And so with time, what that means is whatever is the most difficult or hated or hard, <laughs> you do that first in the day. And for those type A moms listening in, that does not mean five in the morning or six in the morning, right? The first thing of the day means well caffeinated, you know, yes. everybody's happy, we're all pleasant and sitting down and that's what first thing in the morning means. And um, first functional hour, I guess. And um, it's also the weak area then is the thing with, that you prioritize in your time and you never don't do it. So you can don't do um, this other thing or that thing because your child will naturally do it. But you have to do this most hated thing every day or you'll literally never get to it. And um, I personally, so this is weird, I know, uh, but I, my weak area is art because art is messy. There is no art that isn't messy or loud. And um, I really struggled with teaching my kids art. So I had to prioritize that the way other people might have to prioritize math or, or science, you know, yeah, everybody has their thing. Uh, but then you also put your weak area first in terms of your money. So if you're a mom that struggles to have organization in your life, you pay for organization. You you buy the instructor's guide that's going to give you that organization because it's worth it to you. Um, you identify what your weak area is. That's the curriculum you buy first. You if you're if you're an art lover, 
all of those art supplies, they're going to happen for Christmas and birthday and Easter and Valentine's Day. And you never have to buy that as curriculum. Yeah. But when it's your week area, you're going to, the tendency is to put that off. So you want to spend that money first. And, and I know it feels um, uh, hard because we're all balancing our budget. Uh, times are very uncertain right now. Uh, but what I did in my own mind is I would compare my yearly budget to uh, for homeschooling to a monthly budget of private school. And you'll Absolutely. feel much better. You do yeah. that, you're gonna feel so much better. Yeah. And do you you have no idea how expensive private school is? Valid. Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. So the next tip, this is gonna be really hard, is to set logical technology boundaries because the number one impediment to actual learning is online. It's your phone, it's your internet, it's your social media. It's, it's thinking online classes are learning. They're not, they're, they're a method. That's not the actual learning. The actual learning is what takes place in the head. And if you're too much online, you'll literally not learn anything, no matter how much money you spend on online classes. So pediatricians recommend, this is gonna blow your mind. Pediatricians recommend two hours of technology per day for everything, school, social media, gaming, two hours per day until age 18, right? Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, like, that's crazy. So I was wanna, expecting it for younger kids, but when you said all the way to 18, age that is- 18. Yeah. Which is, you know what? This is why education is so struggling right now because all these poor mm. kids are online and 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 again having this hose of water coming at them it it doesn't help them drink it's just throwing throwing education at them and nothing really sticks so the solution is to set boundaries on your child's technology use you're trying to limit the online classes you're trying to use real books with real paper and real pencil as much as possible. You rely on online classes or video curriculum only when you need it, like say <laughs> calculus, right? <Yeah. laughs> but not for things that your child can otherwise learn on their own. And, and then you're careful with your curriculum choices, emphasizing again, the physical, the tangible books. Uh, but then of course the hard part is that homeschooling is not gonna happen if you're on social media. Uh, homeschooling is not going to happen if you're pinning homeschool ideas on Pinterest, you know, so you have to set boundaries on your own, on, on your own technology. Yeah. Like, you know, practice what you preach basically. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Very Best good. tip I ever got for that was actually from my daughter-in-law when she had her newborn and um, she had learned it from her sister. She says, put your phone ringer on, but put it in the drawer in the kitchen. Because only your husband knows that your husband can call you. You'll hear it ring in the kitchen drawer. Yeah. <laughs> but then it's not in front of you. I just thought that was such such genius. It really is. Yeah. Um, and then the next key is to include delight directed learning. Um, when I was in high school, I took choir every year. It, it gave me joy. I had friends that took choir and band and orchestra every year 
there were some classes in my public school that uh, we called underwater basket weaving. They were just so easy, you know, yeah. and it's okay to have some classes that are hard and some classes that are easy, give them more classes that they like to balance everything out. And yeah, it's true. We need to cover the core, but you know, that only takes about four or five hours a day, which leaves plenty of time for things that they enjoy, right? Um, parents benefit because it's less work. If they're doing, I don't know, piano for fun, um, uh, studying mushrooms for fun, <laughs> then that's something that you don't have to write a, a lesson plan. They're just going to be learning it on their own. So it's less work for you. Kids have more fun. Then they're complaining less and it gives your child something really unique so that when you're applying to college, you can show how unique your child really is. Um, the next one I wanted to talk about is planning high school courses, because I know that that is probably um, that and record keeping is really the most stressful thing for parents. How do you know what you need to do? Um, and it's hard. Um, the tendency, I think, is for parents to do a real quick Google what is required for graduation in Washington State, right? And that that's a pathway to frustration, <laughs> because when you Google it, it gives you the results for public school kids. It does not give you the results for homeschool kids or private school kids for that matter. So you wanna look at what your state homeschool law requires, which is generally, you know, not a whole lot. They're, they're letting you figure it out. And then that gives you the freedom to say, okay, I don't have to get to calculus. Very few kids get to calculus anyway. And you think I don't have to get to physics. Very, very few kids get to physics. I think it's in the teens actually that actually get to physics. So if you don't, that's like not a big deal. And instead of thinking what is required for your public high school, which might change every year, look at what is required in general for college admission. Because if you do that, again, no matter how many times your teenager changes their mind, if that very last year of high school, they decide that's it, teacher, I'm going to be a teacher, right? Then, then you'll be already prepared for college admission at that point. So what is college preparation then? It means English every year. Um, English is called literature and composition. And what that means to you and me is reading and writing. Okay, so that's the technical term for reading and writing is literature <laughs> and composition. So what I, what I like for people to do is to read real books like Sunlight, to write papers. That's how you get better. It's not so much the instruction on how to write a paper per se. It's more by practice, 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 right? So you want that consistent daily practice with reading and writing. And then you wanna have math. One, you're trying to get through one level, one textbook of math per year. Now for social studies, get a little more flexibility. Some colleges will say three years, some will require four years. But in general, what they're looking for is world history, US history, economics and government. And economics could be a half a credit or a whole credit. Government could be a half a credit or a whole credit. World history is not a specific 
topic or content. It's just anything about world history. So if you're studying uh, church history, hey, that's the history of the world. If you're studying the, the world history, I can't remember what core number that is. Uh, I don't know. 200. Yeah. No, that's church. That's okay. Anyway, if you're doing the 100, 100, in my brain, I feel like it's 100, but I, I think 100 that. is American, history. American. And then government is for, for so maybe it's 300. Yeah. I think it might be. I think it might be actually now that I think about it anyway. So you want to have know this <laughs> <laughs> U.S. history, world history, economics yeah. and yeah. government. And just because you use some like core 200, you still call it world history so that they can identify, oh, I, I see world history on the transcript. And then for science, um, we tend to think in terms of every year, but really college admission requirements are three years of science and only one of those is a lab science. And you don't necessarily have to get to physics unless you're going into engineering or something. One question I do get a lot is, um, how do I teach a science lab? And, and I think it's important to know that if, um, if you buy the science curriculum and it comes with lab materials and you do some of the labs with those lab materials, that is a lab science. There's Absolutely. like no other definition of lab science other than you bought it and you kind of did it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, and then for uh, beyond the core, you're looking for foreign languages and um, with foreign language, it, that's difficult. Some colleges require two, some require three, some require four years. So I, I think it's far, far easier to start foreign language um, at least by ninth grade and try to get in as much as you can before your child gets resistant. Not that children would ever get resistant, but you know. Um, I have to say I started in seventh grade and yes. she's already resisted. <laughs> See, this is what I'm, I'm talking about. Through a full year. I, I actually had my children start with Latin in middle school. I was scared to death. I can't tell you how many sleepless nights I had about starting Latin. Anyway, um, but it was really successful. And, you know, Latin helps you to learn the next foreign language easier. So absolutely. Um, okay, so foreign language two to four years, but start early so you're not disappointed. Uh, PE is sometimes required. Uh, sometimes colleges will wanna see two years of PE, but I think it's really important. We, we think uh, PE is physical exercise and it's not, it's physical education. So that could be teaching on health or nutrition uh, or first aid, you know, that sort of thing. It's not just being on the football team. And, and also with PE, really anything that breaks a sweat totally counts. If they go outside and play basketball, that's good enough. They don't have to be on the basketball team. And then there's the electives. There are three kinds of electives that you need to have, which sounds scary, right? But the first kind of elective is what is required by your state law. Usually everything's covered because it's pretty self-explanatory. You don't have to worry about a lot, but I mean, read your law, see what's required. In Washington state where I live, we are not required to do Washington state history, uh, but we are required to do occupational education, hmm. like the sunlight career planning, you know, that sort of yep. thing. Uh, 
Interesting. Yeah. And then the next thing, the next source is what is required by the parent? You know, you personally, do you require Bible, mm -hmm. uh, auto mechanics, home economics, logic, something like that? And then the third elective requirement is what does the child do for fun? Um, you're looking like if they're supposed to be doing the dishwasher, right? What are they doing instead? And often that is their delight directed learning, whether that's piano or guitar or basketball or studying some obscure whatever. Um, usually that's their delight directed learning and that can be a class too. Um, then the next thing that is a key is to choose curriculum wisely. I was just working on an entire hour-long presentation on curriculum, so I've got to, i got to think in nutshells here. <laughs> an hour. Um, the perfect curriculum is a perfect fit for your child. It has nothing to do with what your friends are using. Uh, it is not about fads. There's a lot of fads in homeschooling. It's what fits your child. Do they like it or at least tolerate it? The curriculum that you sh choose should be challenging, not easy. It should be challenging, but it's also, you shouldn't make it too overwhelming. If they're overwhelmed, you, make, you chose too hard a level in reading. You chose too hard a level in math they can't do well and the child knows they can't do well and they can either be resistant some more or they can feel like a failure and, and have that negative self-talk and you don't want that either. So you're trying to keep it challenging but not overwhelming. And the joy of homeschooling then is that we get to make sure it's always just right in every subject. Uh, I'm a huge fan of multi-grade learning like sunlight because there is no one grade level in English. There is no one grade level in history. So grouping them together makes more sense for a family, uh, but it also helps you to not um, label your child as being either below grade level or ahead of grade level. They're just where they are. And um, when you're choosing curriculum, I think the number one thing is always to use curriculum made for homeschoolers. Uh, because if you're choosing public school curriculum, it assumes the teacher knows the material and you may not know calculus or <laughs> physics or yeah, Latin. Right. <laughs> and um, so when you choose curriculum that's made for homeschoolers, then you'll be successful. If you're looking at what am I going to get next year, I usually encourage parents to look at where did you purchase your successful curriculum from this year? And that's probably a like-minded uh, curriculum. So they'll be much more likely to give you a good choice for the coming year, um, which was why I've already confessed how nervous I was about Latin. Uh, but I chose my Latin through Sunlight Curriculum because everything else they'd given me was okay. And as scared as I was about Latin, at least I knew I'd been successful with the other Sunlight stuff before and it, it ended up working great, but try to stick with curriculum that you know. And then um, the next thing I wanted to point out is that your job is to invest in yourself. And 
um, not just by the curriculum, but also to support yourself. So every time you buy a curriculum for your children for the year, you're buying yourself something that's going to make you a better home educator for the year. Uh, you attend homeschool conventions, whether that's in person or online. You attend support group meetings, whether that's in person or online. Uh, and then you buy resources that help you feel more confident. One of the um, clues you can look for in homeschool advertising, are they trying to make you feel afraid? That's probably not a good choice. If they say things like, we have real teachers or um, like a real school, something like that. Well, you know what? You are a real teacher. And when they try to tell you that, that's, that's giving you some subliminal fear that you cannot be successful. So um, choose curriculum that's gonna help you to be more confident. So, well, the, it's been a lot of keys. I hope I didn't overwhelm anybody. <laughs> No, I, I really, I think that they're great. I, I really, there were so many things. The biggest takeaway I think for me was in high school, especially you move from being that constant teacher and you mm -hmm. are still a teacher, but you're more of a manager. Yes. You really are giving like for, for sunlight students get their own binder. So yeah. you're just having that morning meeting to check in mm -hmm. and, um, and sort of guiding them, you know, for their steps for the day. So I, I love that, that yeah. particular piece stuck out to me. And then I loved the advice you gave on being a better educator. I do think that that was, um, that was a great key to close oh, it out. So thank well, you. Good, good, good. Yeah. I think yeah. that, you know, the, the key to being a better educator is just to homeschool. The more you homeschool, the better you become at homeschooling. Right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. As in with anything in life, with right? Anything. <laughs> the other thing is sometimes people say, oh, I wish I was just a teacher. I would know how to do this. And, and that's not the case because most of my job is consulting with parents and helping them to feel confident and, you know, working one-on-one -on -one with people. And I actually have a lot of school teachers that have retired from being a school teacher. Now they're homeschooling and, and they don't know how to do it because homeschooling is so very different. Uh, so I, I can tell you right now <laughs> that having a degree in teaching is not going to make you a better home educator. It might make you a better teacher in a public or private school. It might make you better at teaching a group of 30, <laughs> but we're not. We're teaching our one child at a time. And, and frankly, the one child at a time that we know and love. Uh, so these are not strangers to us. Absolutely. Yeah. What, um, what tips do you have for parents who are wearing many hats? Homeschooling high school consists of a lot more than maybe homeschooling in those younger years. So what tips do you have? Oh, good question. Yeah, that's, I think the difficulty with homeschooling is often not even the homeschooling part. It's the home, right? How do you make dinner? You know, every single night you have to make dinner yeah. and how do you keep the house clean how do you keep the babies sane and so i think a lot of it is to delegate making sure that the things that you can give responsibility to somebody else that you can which is again why i'm a big fan of 
um, curriculum like Sunlight that does have that checklist because that takes that uh, work off you. I, I am sort of a type A person. I did actually write myself lesson plans every day as well as had the, the Sunlight Guide and you know who you are, but, um, but it helped me because it was all very organized and you know the plan was there. I was just writing it out the way that I wanted it to be for my children, you know? And uh, so I think buying things that help you become a better home educator is gonna be um, things that help you to be organized, things that uh, make it easier for you to keep up with the house, to schedule your life better, uh, getting some continuing education so that you feel stronger and what you're doing. And if you do get into trouble, reach out for help. Uh, this is, again, what I do is consulting with moms one-on-one. -on -one. And in my, in my previous life, before homeschooling, I was a nurse. <laughs> so what I see is a lot of people where uh, maybe they have some physical difficulties in their family and with their children or whatever, and they don't know how do I balance physical needs with education. And uh, so I get a lot of questions about that. But whatever is um, happening that's causing you stress, reach out to get help. And I think that that's, that's how we manage to hold it all together. I will say, I remember people saying, oh, you just have to lighten up on your housekeeping. And there is only so much you can lighten up on housekeeping yeah. <laughs> or it's just, just a mess. Too much. Yeah, Too much. exactly. Too much. <laughs> I love the, I, I love the delegation thing. I think yeah. you can start at a very young age and that grows as they get older. So remember to use exactly. your team. And exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it, it counts with both homeschooling, delegating the homeschool tasks, um, but, but also with the household tasks yeah. too, um, you know, with homeschooling, people say, people say research shows <laughs> when yeah. you teach something, you learn better. And um, so my kids, they would talk one another all the time, teaching each other, teaching others too, as they got older and that gave them internships that then uh, they were able to put on their resume and activity list. Absolutely. Lee, what are some of your favorite things about homeschooling your teens? Homeschooling me, my teens. Any of your favorite things? Um, reading loud. I, I read aloud until my children were 18 years old. And oh. um, because I remembered when I was in public school, my public school teacher read aloud to the class, <laughs> you know, oh. all the way through. Uh, my children, I'm I'm not going to tell you how old I am, okay? But my children are now in their 30s, and um, they—I I think it was within two weeks—Alex came back to me and he said, "I'm just so thankful for all of those read-alouds." And he still will go up into our our playroom, go through the bookshelves, and pull down our read-alouds. So it's it's um, definitely the read-alouds. Um, but one of the big things that my children came back to say thank you for was teaching them how to write a quick essay, and um, which is funny to me because at the time that was like the number one thing that they complained about with yeah. homeschooling. <laughs> and um, but now here they are, thirty plus, and they're like, "Oh, I'm so glad you taught me how to write a quick essay." And uh, we we would time it, you know, thirty. You have thirty minutes, ready, go. And, and they would start writing. So yeah, we, will, we loved homeschooling. I will say that things that I wasn't good at was the, the arts and crafts and activities. And I mean, I have a picture of each one of them. I think in all of my eight years of homeschooling, I have five pictures maybe of us doing 
an activity. <laughs> but that's because that was the only five times it ever happened. And I, I wish I would have done more of that, but I'm just, I'm just not wired that way. But we had some fantastic memories. I think that's perfectly acceptable. They will <laughs> use the writing of quick essays way more in life than that's painting right. a picture. Than so. making candles, which yes, was super yes, fun, but exactly. so messy, messy. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, I want to say you can find more um, about Lee and about her, um, you, is it mentorship? What do you? Yeah, it's called the Gold Care Club. And with the Gold Care Club, I come alongside and uh, help moms. It includes five classes a month so that you can learn about choosing curriculum, which is what I'm doing next, or, you know, how to homeschool ninth grade, or how do you teach algebra or that sort of thing. Um, but then it also has 20 minutes per week so that you can ask me um, your questions in a, in a private one-on-one -on -one that maybe you wouldn't want to share about learning disabilities or Lyme disease or brain injuries or whatever. And that's over on your website at yes. highschoolhelp.com? Yes, that's right. Perfect. That's right. You can also go the, the cheaty way and go to goldcareclub.com and it should take you right there. There it is. Lee brought a free book for um, everyone listening today and she wanted to share. It's how to become or how to be a better home educator. And I'm going to put the link to this book um, below so you can download um, at, at your will. So okay. definitely look for that link. Thank you so much, Lee, for joining. And yes. I, I appreciate you sharing your keys. I know our audience is going to find um, all of this stuff so beneficial. So thank you for sharing. Yes, I'm so glad to be here. And, and I just wanted to say one thing. I know that the college board has um, recently changed a lot about that um, their products, the SAT test. And I just wanted to briefly mention that the SAT test no longer has a timed essay that has been eliminated, but the ACT test does have a timed essay. And the College Board also changed that they have eliminated entirely the SAT2 subject test. So you can no longer take a high school subject test in say chemistry or economics or something like that. Um, I have recently updated all of the information on my website. And if you do have any questions, you can just email me. My email address is lee at homehighschoolhelp.com. And I'll be glad to send you more information on what has been updated. It's, it's on my blog. Absolutely. I'm so glad you mentioned that because we were talking about it right before we pressed record on this. And I was like, oh yeah, I need to mention that just changed, didn't it, Lee? It just, like, just changed. And parents are freaking out. You know, it's always <laughs> a moving target. And I think it's so yeah. important to remember that no matter what the college board does or what the government does, you are the parent of your children. You love them. You're going to get this figured out. It's There's nothing that they're going to change that's going to immediately, you know, destroy your whole plan. You're going to have time to get it thought through, but I think, you know, that sort of points out why that continuing education is a really good idea so that you have somebody that you're working with that can keep you up to date on these things. Absolutely. Especially if you're coming up on the end of high school, you yes. definitely want to be involved and, and Absolutely. understand exactly what's happening. Absolutely. Absolutely. So well, thank, thank you. you. Thank yeah. you so much, Lee. Thanks for having me. Bye.